I'm excited to welcome back IWI as a sponsor of the Three Gun Show. Longtime listeners will remember IWI and the Three Gun Show's runs at Red October and Kalash Bash with their Galil Ace. Available in 545 x 39 762 x 39 and 5.56, the Galil Ace is an absolute dominator at AK matches. IWI has released a Gen 2 of the Ace with tons of upgrades featuring a free float M-Lock handguard, an updated trigger profile, shortened safety throw, and it now ships with a Magpul CTR stock with a little cheek riser in there so you can see through your scope. And now IWI has joined the AR-15 game as well. Their Zion 15 is available in both a 12.5 or 16-inch barrel with a 5.56 chamber, and it features a free float handguard in 11.5 or 15 inches, respectively. With a mid-length gas system and a 1.8 twist, the IWI checks all of the boxes at an incredibly low price. Whether you're looking for a bullpup, traditional rifle, or a pistol, IWI has several options to satisfy your needs. This episode of the Three Gun Show is sponsored by Isotune Sport. Isotune Sport makes advanced Bluetooth hearing protection for shooters. My hearing is very important to me for obvious reasons, and I absolutely love how quickly their tactical sound control reacts to cut out loud gunfire. One feature, though, that I never thought I would use on the range is Bluetooth technology, and I'm actually kind of loving it. Isotune Sport Ear Pro easily connects to my phone, and from there, I can listen to some Beastie Boys or Poison or even a podcast to get me in the zone while I'm setting up for practice or stirring a rifle, something like that. And if I'm caught by surprise by gunfire from the next bay over, I know that my hearing is safe. Lately, I've been rocking the wireless in-ear caliber model because they are lightweight, have a great uh, battery life, and won't get tangled in the buttstock of my long guns. You can check them out for yourself. I'll have a link in the show notes at 3gunshow.com. I'm pumped to be working with Isotune Sport, and I thank them for sponsoring the show. Welcome to the 3Gun Show. I'm your host, Dave Hartman. In this podcast, we answer your questions and talk about current events in the shooting space. If you get something useful for this from this podcast, pick up your phone right now and share it with a friend or on social media. And if you do, I thank you. All right, here we go. Hey, Max, our first question is from Bill. Bill's from up north, and he says, I would like to hear about how folks are planning to practice when there are not regular matches to attend. Specifically, I would like to hear how to set up a room for dry fire training and some drills to perform that seasoned shooters find value in. This would probably lend itself to associated video content to demonstrate the drills, uh, which would be really cool to have out there. Hey, we'll we'll uh, we'll table the the video thing, but we can answer your question right now, Bill. What do you think, Max? As far as the drills. Uh they're all made up and they don't matter. <laughs> if, you need, if you need a format, the one that's worked the best for me is andersonshooting.com, uh, Refinement and Reputation, his first book. Um, but the key to that question, and it's kind of it's kind of the question to uh, a lot of things, is like like people want to know. It's kind of like working out. Like people want a roadmap for how to reach whatever physical goal you is. It doesn't really matter. Everybody knows what you got to do. You gotta pick heavy stuff up. You gotta put it down. You gotta exert more energy than you're consuming. 
the hard part about the dry fire is not the dry fire itself or the room that you set up. It's the dedication to it. You mm. got to put yourself, you got to have a goal. You got to put yourself on a schedule and you got to hold yourself accountable to that schedule. And then you have to track your progress in a journal, write it down. Um, I've been dry firing for, for years and I didn't, I didn't get the kind of kind of uh, traction out of it that I really wanted to go to the place where I think people are trying to get to when they ask that question until I started doing those things. As far as like what to set up in a room, like I travel a lot for work. I'm on the road uh, 50% of the time uh, and everything I need to dry fire fits in a backpack that goes through the airport. So we're talking pistol, belt, belt gear, a couple magazines. I mean, obviously, obviously I checked the gun, but yeah, a pistol, sure. a belt, a belt, and one magazine. Um, but one as magazine. Far as actual, actually, yes, an actual one, actual dry fire material. I need a shot timer and three reduced size paper target. All right, I get the uh, the hotel match pack from uh, AndersonShooting.com. He's he's just he's very influential in my shooting, so I'll plug him. Um, but it, I think it's actually Go Fast Don't Suck that sells them. But I have a I have a stack of of reduced like paper targets that I put in my carry on backpack and I set it up in whatever hotel room I'm in. But it's more important that you don't skip a day, or if you only skip one day, and you just do it all the time. The effectiveness of dry fire is that you're burning rep, reps to the hard drive, so that you're building subconscious skill. It's not the actual skills itself. It's just putting the gun in your hand and knowing what to do with it subconsciously so that when you get to the match you're not thinking about gun things your 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 thought process is shoot and like your hands know what to do mm, that's a really good point so uh, I'm, I'm on anderson shooting and yeah there is a match mode dry fire travel set which has a, a wide variety of targets so check that out if you want to um yeah so as far as like setting up a room for dry fire it doesn't take a whole lot it it does help if you leave uh things like lying around that you normally use or leave things organized that you normally use like like your targets right you can set those up in your basement if you got a basement if you're not texan because texans don't have basement they constantly remind me of but um one one i'm sorry nobody cares texas (laughs) we love you texas um the the thing that uh, uh, you just derailed my train of thought. Well, what the hell was I talking about? Oh, the the one thing that I heard that I thought was really good is uh, uh, my pal Forrest said that uh, to dry fire uh, when he first started to have him burn in those grooves, what he did was he took a pair of shorts that were like maybe a little bit bigger or whatever, but had belt loops, and he put his, his um, gun belt in there, his inner belt, and he would put them on over whatever he was currently wearing, even if it was jeans and he would fasten the belt, put the three gun belt on and then, and then go do his dry fire. Um, and then that helped him because when you have that hurdle of like, ah, I gotta find, I gotta get out of the sweats and find something that has loops or I gotta find my gun, my inner belt and put it in my pants. I gotta put my, holster on like remove all the steps that it's going to take remove any sort of resistance and so i thought that was kind of clever and he just has like a hanger in his in his gun room that he's got a pair of shorts on that are already laced with his uh his inner belt just puts the shorts on dry fires puts the shorts back 
And I actually, um, when I dry fire at home, I actually don't wear an inner belt. I just, I usually, I'm usually wearing kickboxing shorts and I just put the outer belt on. I just cinch it tight over the top and that, that holds well enough for, for, um, the application. The other thing I picked up on, uh, maybe uh, a tip for you is, um, in that book that I, that I talked about refinement and repetition, they recommend to do the drills for three to five minutes. If you think about the duration of the average song or track, mm. it's about three to five minutes. So when I do it, I listen to music and I essentially will do whatever drill for as long as that song is. And then when the song changes, I change the drill. So that's how I progress through the thing. And I keep it moving. You know, I mean, everybody wants to listen to something, right? But that's also like, it's a key component for me because that's my timer. It's not me starting a stopwatch and, and things like that. It's just if that song's three three minutes and 50 seconds, that's how long I do it. And then, some, you know, you get into a track that's six minutes long. Well, I guess we're going to do this one a little bit longer, but I don't. You go. The key is to kind of go into that subconscious kind of meditative place, and so I find that if I just you know change the change of the song is the change of the drill, and I get to the, the end of the list that I'm going to do, uh, it flows a lot. It flows a lot better than kind of a tedious like set list, because um, it does get mundane um, for sure. It's not exciting. It's not you know might not even be fun. But that's uh, not the point of doing it. If you want to do well in the sport, it is what you have to do. Got it. All right. And the most, yeah, I mean, the most important part is doing it. Also, make sure to do it safely. Obviously, make sure that um, you're not, you know, interacting with live ammunition and and things of this nature. But um, yeah, if you're going to do the shotgun load, get some dummy shells. For God's sake, I can't tell you how many quote unquote pro shooters I see on Instagram slinging live rounds and other shotguns in, in their basements or in their garages. Like, come on, dudes, be an example here. Get some freaking uh, dummy rounds for your shotgun. They're not expensive. You can get them from Brownells. You can get them from Midway. There's also safety measures, too, around, like, uh, even if you're using dummy ammunition, you don't don't necessarily have to rack the slide or, you know, you don't have to load the shotgun, like the chamber. You know, you can practice loading the tube without cycling the bolt. Sure. Of this nature, you know. Sure. Yeah, so I would say, uh, you know, practice your uh, – I'm going to give them some specifics here. Uh, things that I did for two-gun nationals, well, I did some reloads on the BCC, but because I'd never reloaded – or I guess I hadn't reloaded one for a long, long time. But um, but we typically don't reload rifle, so I would say practice your start positions, your low ready, your um, – uh, port arms, same thing with shotgun. Getting up on target uh, fast is important. Getting that proper cheek weld on both the shotgun and the rifle are very important. Um, obviously, the draw on the pistol. So those are easy, like where your stage starts. Think about that. And then, of course, shotgun reloading is going to advance you quite a bit in the sport uh, to a point. And then um, you're going to want to, you know, maybe take a couple steps while you're reloading. Steps to left, steps to right, steps forward. Reload your pistol. But again, we don't reload rifle that much, but you might want to do it. Yep. And it's a visual activity. What you're, t- what you're mm-hmm. doing is you're trying to try tie visual processing to what your hands do. So like Dave said, all the start positions, the draws, the indexes on that first target, that's going to be a lot of it. And then that, you know, repeats into repeated targets. Um, and then uh, movement also. 
Um, and you don't have to have like, you don't have to have an elaborate course. Like I, uh, I've done a lot of dry fire, like, uh, like captain Morgan man, because standing <laughs> on one foot is the first move out of a position. Oh yeah. So, so getting, getting comfortable with that exit or that entry and being on one foot, I've done a lot of that, you know, like, like don't, don't think about it. Don't think about it too hard. Think about it in pieces, like get it down to like, like the, like if you, you're trying, you're trying to get the whiskey out of the corn mash here. Like you're trying <laughs> to boil it down to the thing that you're struggling with and practice that. And you just, you get a, you get a list of five of them get really good at those things and then, then find the next five, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, I guess the, the other big time saver would be gun transitions. Um, Mm -hmm. so putting stuff down and picking up a different gun, obviously, uh, in a safe manner, practicing, engaging the safety as you do it, that you're going to save a lot of time there. And I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. And like I RO a lot too. Uh, a lot of people in the middle of the pack or the back of the pack are wasting a ton of time because they're just unfamiliar with their guns. Yeah. Like people who own and shoot a Benelli are still kind of lost when it kind when it's time to unload and show clear on a Benelli. Well, if you dry fire a lot, like you, you, you won't allow yourself to be inefficient. You'll, you'll know the fast way to get the shells out of the gun, <laughs> yeah. you know? So it's just, just knowing your way around the guns is, is the, the key there because on match day, we don't want to think about the shooting of the guns. We're thinking about the shooting of the stage. Yep. So. I agree. All right. Next question. This one is from, Oh, by the way, Bill, thank you for sending that question. Yeah. Thanks Bill. This one's from Brandon. Uh, Brandon says after shooting gen three gun, I saw a lot of differences between shooters in my area compared to shooters in Missouri in terms of gear setup, as well as stages. That was my first natural train match as well. Maybe it's possible to compare stage plans of a base style match as well as uh, natural train and the way top level shooters uh, approach each of these, uh, each of those matches. Um, so I know you got some thoughts on this one, Adam. Uh, first, I want to say uh, Brandon's really cool dude. He was on my squad at gen three gun and uh, um, enjoyed shooting with him. H- hard hitter out there. Um, on the, uh, on the stages took everything really seriously. It was cool to, uh, to shoot with him. And I'm, I'm not saying that just because he gave me a bunch of shotgun shells that he couldn't fly with on the way home, but that helped. Thanks, Brandon. It, it always helps. <laughs> no, that was way cool. And, uh, there was actually a club match earlier in the year here, uh, in 2022 that I was able to shoot only because I had those, uh, those Rios that he gave me. And, uh, so that was cool. Thank you. All right. So natural terrain versus uh, base style matches. So yeah, it, it does take a a little bit of different planning. So my first thought on this one when I read this uh, Amax is that um, in natural terrain, you're kind of like trying to find all the targets and then creating index points for uh, where you shoot. And I thought, okay, well that's kind of different. But then that's pretty much what you do anyway when you when you uh, plan a base style match too. So they have a lot of similarities as well. Yeah. I would say like the actual components of planning a stage are the same. If anything, I would think, I think planning a Bay match stage is harder because generally when you're in the open terrain, you are pretty much confined to doing the thing that they tell you to do. So yeah. They're going to tell do this, you do that, or, or you're like, you're going to be strung out along some trail. Like there's not a whole lot of creativity 
Whereas in the base style stages, a lot of times you kind of have to figure out, like you're faced with some choices and you got to figure out which one's the fastest one. Um, as far as planning, it really comes down to counting the targets. I count the targets three ways is essentially what, what I say. Uh, you count them one time to make sure you find them, find them all. Uh, you count them another time to make sure that you see them all along the choreographed path that you're going to move through the stage. So you're going to make sure, so you find them all and you make sure they're all on your trail. And then the third time you count them is in regards to ammunition and you having enough ammo in your gun to shoot them and when you have to put more ammo in your gun. So you find them all, you find a trail that has them all, and then you plan how to keep your guns loaded while you're negotiating that trail. And then essentially you're just burning it to the heart. You're just memorizing that plan, whatever. There's a few techniques for doing it. Um, but once, once you figured those three things out, it's just a matter of memorizing it as quickly and completely that completely part is the hardest part as possible. And then executing it in a, in a small amount of time. So, um, all the really good shooters, everyone at the top level of the sport is just executing a memorized plan. That's really all they're doing. Um, if you're thinking about what you're doing or if you're actively looking for targets, you're going backwards. Everybody at the top is, has basically memorized, has decided what they're going to do and memorized it um, in some combination of walkthrough day and then when they got there and uh, for the briefing and their five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. What other... Uh I mean, I, I guess like natural terrain, there's there's more um, more ground to cover, maybe, and like yep, you have, yeah, you exactly. Know. So physical, so maybe uh, apparel is different. Shoes, um, you have to wear uh, pants so you don't get chiggers and <laughs> and and poison oak. But well, natural terrain, there's probably there's probably more um, obscure distances. So you're potentially looking at longer range targets that you have to laze or mm, yeah. um, poke selections on shotguns. And the other thing, the main thing on, on, um, that gets me on national train stages, there's lots of opportunities for gotcha, tar- gotcha targets that are hidden. Yeah. In a bay match to find all the targets, all you have to do is walk to the berm and look up range and you see them all. And so you can count them all and make sure, okay, that's how many there are. Whereas like when they're, when it's a jungle run and they're all out in the woods, you know, you're not, you're never a hundred percent sure until there's either a written stage description that has the number and you find that number or you go through the stage brief and, and they point each one out to you. Um, on the natural terrain stuff, there's always, there's always the potential for the gotcha target. And that's, I mean, that's what I remember. One of the things I remember most about Blue Ridge is there's just gotcha targets everywhere. And I would be out there on scout through day and I couldn't, I couldn't find the targets. I, I, I couldn't find them for the life of me because it was gray and it was way back in the trees. And then, you know, until somebody showed it to you, you didn't, you, you didn't know where it was. Yeah. That was kind of a bummer. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a gotcha target. That is completely the shooter's fault though. There's one place uh at Revely peak ranch that texas three gun loves to shoot that's in a gully and it's reminiscent of like uh, almost rocky mountain um 
three gun where you run through with your pistol and there's targets on either side. They've done it different every year. Like there's been rifle and paper through there and then there's been steel and pistol, but they always put one target um, at the end of that gully straight down right before you have to run 90 degrees left to go out into the open and engage uh, some, usually some rifle targets or pistol targets or something. So you're thinking about the next move you have to make to run up this like little four foot draw and then um, get to your next gun or whatever. You have to do this little sprint in between shooting and actually shooting. And you always forget that, or I've not always, but I've seen a lot of people skip that last target and it's exactly right in front of them before they make that left turn. And so it's just a matter of like, am I sucked in on this target on the right or on the left? And I'm not paying attention to the one that's like directly in front of me. Yeah, there's like there's a lot of stuff like match match directors probably by nature like to mess with people and it's fairly easy. Um, <laughs> so you kind of when you're trying to reverse engineer somebody's gotcha stage, kind of like think of like what are you what are you drawn to do, and then like where could I hide a target? You know, like like this rock that he's talking about. Perfect place to put one. It's like man that's a perfect place to hide a target. I'm going to make sure there's not one there, you know, or, um, you know, there's a, there's a wall, you know, everyone, there's a, there's a gap in a wall and everyone, everyone's running up there to shoot it. Well, do I really have to run up there to shoot it? Because a lot of times, a lot of times it's just a trap, you know? So you kind of, kind of have to have this third, third person view of it. Like, what are they trying to make me do? And do I really have to do it? Like, do I really have to go corner to corner? You know, they probably wouldn't have put that fault line all the way over there. If there wasn't a target, I had to run over there and shoot, you know? Uh, so like there has to be one around here somewhere. It's that kind of stuff that, that uh, kind of want to keep eyes open to if you can't just walk up range and count all the targets. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good point. And, and in, in the most recent match that I shot, which was two gun nationals, um, I used some, uh, some three gunnery, uh, Amax, you'd like it. Uh, so tip, typically we, um, well, like in a natural terrain match, be like, okay, well, I'm going to go up to this weird looking tree here and then I'm going to shoot all those targets over there. And then I'm going to go to that tree over there that looks kind of normal. And then I'm going to shoot those targets there. And that those are kind of like index points. And especially when you're uh, talking about rifle and you can't catch everything on the move because they're intermediate distance. And mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking of a stage specifically from gen three gun last year. But um, so that's the kind of thing you do is you pick index points. And that was one of the, the major uh, tips in the old Noveski shooting team videos. And in um, multi-gun nationals, I noticed that a lot of the um, fault lines, which were two by twos, had either tape on there from like previous start positions or some were white and some were red and some were black. And so it got to be like where, oh, this is really easy to pick. Not easy, but it was simple to pick. Uh, an index point there if there were certain um, positions or they were trying to obscure targets or something like i'll just come out here to this uh this stick turns from orange to black because it's a new stick and they're together but they didn't paint them all the same and so picking out those index points uh from shooting natural terrain matches actually helped in a bay match which was uh two gun nationals yep and uh yeah, from a stage planning standpoint, uh, barrels and walls don't naturally occur in nature. So 
<laughs> generally speaking, if there's one out there, they're using it to hide a target. Oh yeah. That's a good Same point. thing with fault lines. Like they don't, they don't string the rope out 20 feet just to mess with you. Unless we do. <laughs> but usually, usually if they laid a fault line there, you probably have to go there to shoot a target or you should at least go check it out. But like if they made, if they made a corner, you probably, there's probably something to shoot over there uh, at, at any of the major matches. Well, there you go. All right. So I think we covered that question for Brennan pretty well. Uh, thank you, Brennan, for sending your question in. And again, thank you, Bill. Want me to answer your question? Or maybe this podcast left you with more questions than you started with. Go ahead, email me, dave at 3gunshow.com, and you might be featured in a future episode. The Three Gun Show is proud to be a part of the Firearms Radio Network. Thanks for listening to The Three Gun Show. We'll see you on the range. <laughs>